So if you have been with us here in person, um, you've noticed that we have been through a series about bare burdens, where we have explored the definition of the gospel and what it means to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. And during this time, we also learned that the definition of a disciple is one who has been united with Christ, is being transformed to be like Christ so that the disciples can partner with Christ in God's work while they are here on earth. And beginning next Sunday, we will take a look at what it means to bear fruit and how our focus on our relationship with God can produce the fruits of the Spirit, such as love and joy and patience and peace. But before we get there, we'll look at a passage of scripture this morning that reveals a lot about relationship. It's about the relationship with our Heavenly Father and the relationship with the gifts that He has given each and every one of us. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard the story of the parable of the talents, and as we read this, I have to admit, for me, parables can be difficult. They're not clear. They can be a little bit tricky to interpret. They are stories with hard realities that at the time shocked the listener into learning something new about the kingdom of God. To the original audience, they were radical because they challenged conventional wisdom and turned thinking on its head. So you see, to really understand parables, it's important to understand the culture and dominant thinking at the time in order to find principles and truths and bring them forward into our day and age. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells back-to-back-to-back parables, answering a question from the disciples that began in chapter 24 when they approached Jesus and asked about the end times and when he would return. They specifically asked, what are the signs? Can you give us a date? Jesus, we would really love to know a date. And Jesus answered, okay, I'll give you some signs, but I won't give you a specific date because that's really up to my Father in heaven. Then Jesus proceeds to tell three parables about 10 virgins, talents, and sheep and goats. And in the parable of the virgins, the message was be prepared and don't miss the party. Live your life in such a way that there is an expectant anticipation that Jesus is going to come at any moment. In the parable of the talents, the message was don't waste your life. And with the sheep and goats, the lesson was how we are called to take care of those that God cares for most, the hurting and the lost. You see, Jesus is about to end his time on earth when he tells a story. It's about a very rich man who was going away on this long journey. And like Beth said, it could have been a year or two or maybe even three years when he calls three of his most trusted servants and gives them a lot of money. To one, he gives five talents. And a talent at the time was the largest known currency and was anywhere from 70 to 75 pounds of gold. To another servant, he gives two talents. And to a third, he gives one talent, 
definitely more than any of these servants had ever seen in their lives. Servant one and two go away quickly, wheel and deal the master's money and obtain a great return. They double it. But servant three does a curious thing and digs a hole. He buries it. He stands guard over it and keeps it safe and sound. He does not go out and risk the master's money. By burying his talent, he presumes that he can be assured of a favorable judgment when his master returns. He assumes that he is acting prudent and responsible with the money that was not his. So let's pick up the story beginning in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. He said, master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So, you know, sometimes parables and stories and scriptures begin innocently and appear on the surface to be feel-good stories. But by the time you get to the end, we begin to get a little uncomfortable. Now, I know I feel like that on many occasions. And when we hear the story about the parable of the talents, some of you may hear a message about stewardship or giving money to the church. Or maybe some of y'all hear the parable and ask yourselves, how much am I willing to risk? Or how did the two servants double their money? Maybe I need to share that secret with my financial advisor. And while there are truths in all of this, I think the parable this morning has significance because it allows us to consider an idea that all of life is about making use of the best use of the gifts that God has given us. It's about being a good steward for God. But before we get started, let me share with you a little context. 
The master of the parable is meant to represent Jesus and the servants are followers who are waiting his return. The talents represent all types of blessings and skills bestowed upon us by God. And we will discuss the 21st century definition of stewardship in a little bit, but the New Testament word okonomia is where we get economy. It means management of a household. So stewards were caretakers of the affairs and possessions and are fully accountable to their master. I asked my 24-year-old son Noah if he had ever heard of the word steward or the concept stewardship. And his response was, yes, I have, Dad, I have. And I thought, oh, great, I'll be able to share some real-life wonderful examples with you this morning. And then he proceeds and says, well, in the Lord of the Rings, and then he went on to give a very <laughs> long explanation about the characters and the plot and the why. And honestly, my eyes kind of glassed over, and please do not judge me. Please do not judge me, but honestly, I get the Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and dare I say, on occasion, Star Wars, a little mixed up. And I really don't understand or get any of that. But stewardship this morning does have application for us because it gives us a number of guiding principles to help us in our lives. In our parable this morning, we see the principle of ownership, the principle of action, and the principle of accountability. The psalmist tells us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And this is to say, everything on earth, including the earth itself, belongs to God. We all live under God's sovereign domain. God placed Adam in the garden to work and to take care of it. And scripture tells us that we are called to take care of the creation given to us by God. This is a fundamental principle of biblical stewardship. God owns everything. We are simply managers and administrators acting on his behalf. Stewardship is our obedience and commitment of ourselves and our possession to God's service. Understanding that we do not have the right of control over our property or ourselves. And this is kind of difficult to understand at times because it's easy for me to slip into this belief that my house, my job, my family, my time, and the gifts that I have are mine and mine alone. But they are not. They belong to God. So back to the story. The first two servants were entrusted with differing amounts of money. Both of them took their responsibility seriously and understood the expectation of the master. And we don't know exactly how they grew the money they were given, but each servant doubled their respective portions. But notice how the first two servants responded. We're told that they went at once and put their money to work. They knew the master. They understood his expectations. They were quick, decisive, confident in their decision, and had come to understand without any doubt the intentions of the master. It was as if they had issued the talent directed or directive or the instructions themselves. Was it any coincidence that it appears their relationship with the master was tight, was solid and committed? 
I'm immediately drawn to think about my personal relationship with Jesus. Am I often quick to act? Am I often decisive in my action? Am I confident enough in my relationship with my master to trust him implicitly? To one he gives five talents, to another two, to another one, but each according to his ability. Notice the amounts entrusted to the servants vary. Some of us have been given more than others. And we're talking about the various gifts and abilities and opportunities that God gives us. Since those do vary indeed. They are not the same for any of us and human nature wants us to compare. Human nature wants us to compare our gifts with someone else. And if I were to compare my gift of music with Andrew or Becca or with the students that are going out on this mission trip or the parents that are going out there, I would easily be discouraged because anytime we begin to compare our gifts and our abilities with others, of others, it's crippling. When we compare our gifts, we either get puffed up with pride or we get beaten down with condemnation. And neither pride nor condemnation are language of our Father. We must remember that it's not about what or how much we are given, but what we do with what we have been given that matters to God. It is about making the most with what we have been entrusted and it is about whether or not we are willing to risk what we have in service to our Savior. We do not all have the same gift sets as those around us or those superheroes of the faith. But nonetheless, we are called to be faithful and to use our gifts that God has given us. God also calls us to be accountable and to work. Initially, I kind of felt sorry for the third servant. It's kind of like he missed the team meeting when the assignments were being handed out, right? The unfaithful servant did not waste the master's money, but he wasted an opportunity to use the gifts that he was given and judged wicked and lazy. I have felt many times in my life that I have wasted opportunities as well. Whether I worked too much and didn't spend enough time with my family or maybe there was a time I could have shared the message of Christ's love with a neighbor or a friend. Whatever it is, we must remember that we are responsible and one day God will ask us what we have done, what, he, what we have done with the talent he has given us. And while we wait for the return of Christ, there are things for us to do. While we wait, we are to work. We're not called to sit around and do nothing. And while we're waiting for the return of Christ, we work. We have a responsibility to work, to use the gifts and the talents that God has given us for his kingdom. We're not to waste our lives, our money, our time, our talents, or our opportunity. We are called to, to share and declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that others may come to know him. And if we were brutally honest with ourselves, some of us, like the third servant, may need to get a shovel and return to an area of our life where because of fear or uncertainty or in comparison with others, 
We have dug a talent, we've dug a hole and dug and hid our talent away. It's like God is saying, Roland, please, please go back and dig up the talent that I so generously gave you and risk it all, risk it all for the glory of my name. If you could do anything for God and knew you would not fail, what would you do? That's a rather freeing question, isn't it? Everything we do in this life will either bring us regret or bring us reward. And if we were to examine our lives, how would you describe it? How would, have you been faithful or have you been fearful? Do we be comfortable or to avoid being faithful? What is it? Friends, please hear me that there is no judgment today. Sometimes when I hear messages that challenge me to think about my shortcomings, I begin to feel guilty and think about the occasions that I have squandered. But I'm a glass kind of half full guy and the message I hope you hear this morning is that we need to look forward to tomorrow. We can't worry about what happened yesterday, but we need to be aware of our surroundings and look forward to the next opportunity that God provides. And the reason that we have this opportunity is due to one thing and one thing only. It's due to grace. It's what Christ has done on the cross for us. It is through his death and resurrection that we have second chances and second opportunities. This grace that he gives us is unmerited, bought with a huge price and is available to all of us this morning. Think about our past weeks in the Bear series like this. Because Christ bore the burden of our sin for us, we honor him when we bear a similar burden for others and use our time, talents, and treasures for his glory. My, fr my prayer for us uh, this morning, friends, is that whatever talents God has decided to give you, that you will not be crippled in comparison, you will not delay in obedience, you will not be fearful or lazy with his intentions, but you just get after the master's business. So that one day, not by anything that you or I have done, but what Christ has done for us on the cross, one day, driven by spirit-led faithfulness, one day we will hear these words, well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the gospel. We give you thanks for second chances in our lives and that your grace abounds. Be with us as we go into your mission field to share your good news and name with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org. Our services are available on our website and find us on Instagram at fpc underscore kingwood. We'll see you next time.